0: We're going to be studying the Word of God today, and we're going to be looking at Matthew 23, the passage that Chris read. We're going to be pretty much staying in that. We will turn to Galatians a little bit later, but let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you, and we praise you, and we worship you for your glory and honor and for who you are as God. And Father, we have been reminded this morning, both from David sharing with us this morning in the opening about your knowledge, that you know even the words before we speak them. You know all of our thoughts, you know everything. We've been reminded, Father, through your word, we've been reminded of your presence. And we just pray and ask that you will help us now as we seek to ask a very vital question, as we seek to sort this out in our own hearts. We pray that you'll help us to be honest. We pray that you'll help us to be humble. We pray that you'll help us to be real. We pray that you will help us to deal uh, with true authenticity to our own souls this morning. Help us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're here today probably because you profess to be a Christian. And as a Christian, you are a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is your God. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. He died for you. You love him. And you want to be a disciple of his. You want to follow him. You want to be a follower of Jesus. Well, Jesus in his teaching that we have in the book of Matthew, and if you have a red letter edition, then you see that Matthew 23 is an entire red letter chapter except for the first verse which introduces it, is Jesus' teaching. And Jesus dedicated an entire chapter to hypocrisy, an entire chapter, and especially he was speaking to the most religious people of his day. The people who believed the Bible was the word of God. The people who believed that serving God was the most important thing in life. The people who were the most dedicated of all the people in Jesus' world were the Pharisees. And he is speaking to them and he is pointing out hypocrisy. Obviously, Jesus has a concern about hypocrisy, and obviously, because the Holy Spirit had this this entire account that has been given to us written down in our Bibles for all Christians in all ages to read, Jesus had a concern that we all deal with this issue of hypocrisy. And so that's why, that's what we're going to do today, and I've entitled the sermon, How Not to Be a Hypocrite, How Not to Be a Hypocrite. And we're going to look at this under three very simple headings. Number one, we're going to look at the definition of hypocrisy. What's it defined very quickly? And then, secondly, it's kind of related to it what are the marks of hypocrisy? And then, thirdly, how not to be a hypocrite. Okay? So, what's the definition of hypocrisy? Well, the root of this word hypocrisy uh, actually doesn't come from any kind of religious root word at all, it actually comes from the stage. From acting. It came the, the actual Greek word hypocrisy comes from the Greek stage where the Greeks did all kinds of, of theatrical things. And the hypocrite or the hypocr- a hypocrite was somebody who came on stage wearing a mask of somebody else. So imagine me coming on stage and wearing a mask of, say, Napoleon, for instance, and I would, with that mask, I would act like I was Napoleon. I picked Napoleon because he was short. Uh, I couldn't be. I couldn't be LeBron James, so I could be Le- Napoleon. So I, I would put a mask on. And I would be Napoleon. And then when I took that mask off, I would be Todd. And when I put that mask on, I would be Napoleon. So in scene one, I would stand up here and I would act and talk like Napoleon. And then I would go back between the scenes and I would take that mask off and I would drink some water and I'd be Todd and I'd be talking to my fellow actors. And then I'd come out here with the mask on and I'd be Napoleon. That's what the word hypocrite means. It's somebody who uh, is is kind of a two-faced person. That's what hypocrisy means. Now, Jesus outlines the marks of hypocrisy uh, very specifically, and that's our second point, the marks of hypocrisy in chapter 23. And I can only summarize because there's so much information here because we're going to be actually dealing with this entire chapter. So let me just summarize. Jesus says, for instance, that hypocrites are those who say something but then don't do it. Hypocrites are somebody who says one thing and then does something else. Or a hypocrite is somebody who tells people how to live their lives and then doesn't live their life that way. Look at verse 3. Therefore, whatever they tell you, he says, observe. Uh, he says, whatever they tell you, observe, that, to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. Now look at the end of verse one, verse 3. For they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one uh, one of their fingers. And so you see, hypocrites are people who are like this. They say one thing and they do another thing, or they tell people to do something and make people feel guilty about it, and then they don't do it themselves. They live a different life. They're two-faced in that way. Secondly, hypocrites are people who do things because they like to be seen in front of men. For hypocrites... People, they're very people-oriented people, very people-oriented. You could say to this, hypocrites are peer-dependent. Hypocrites are proud people who want to feel important and want to feel spiritual, that people will think very highly of them and that they're spiritual. Look at verse 5. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. These are sort of, think of, of priestly robes or something. And they love the best places at the feasts and the best seats in synagogue. And they love the great greetings to be called rabbi, rabbi. And Jesus then goes on to talk about the fact, and we've see, we looked at this verse earlier, that, that he didn't want his people to be like this, living under titles and having to have prestige and status, the best places. Hypocrites, they, they do things to be seen by men. Thirdly, sometimes hypocrites actually do very, very wicked things, and they cover it up with religion. And sadly, it's been unbelievably frequent. I'm just shocked at how frequent it is of how many pastors, especially the celebrity pastors that we're seeing, actually have been exposed in the last six months of men who are living very secret, private, uh, wicked lives. And these lives, especially with sexual immorality and such, these, these men are living these kinds of lives. And they're doing wicked things. They're actually using their roles as pastors to seduce young women and things like that. And that's what Jesus is getting at. These men were actually wicked men, but they were covering it with a covering of religion. Look at verse 14, for instance. He says, "'Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you did devour widows' houses.'" And that's basically ripping off widows, taking advantage of their vulnerability, taking advantage of their money. And for a pretense, you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Hypocrites are wicked people sometimes who use religion as a cover for their wickedness. Hypocrites are also very, very selective people. They're very selective in what they choose to observe and what they think is religious and what they don't. And Jesus uses this very powerful illustration. Look at verse 24. He says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. What is that? Well, if you've ever had a a beverage of some sort that's sweet. It might, it might have, it, it, could be, it could be wine, it could be juice or something like that. And a fruit fly gets down in there. And you see the fruit fly in there and then what do you do? You, you try to get that fruit fly out of there. You work real hard to get that fruit fly out of there. Jesus was talking about in his generation where they would strain out wine. And so you'd have wine with fruit flies in it and you'd run it through a, a piece of cheesecloth. You'd strain out wine. And Jesus says here, they strain out the gnat. They're very careful to get that little fruit fry out of there so that they don't eat it and they don't drink it. And then they're going to swallow down a camel. It's kind of a, a humorous illustration. But they strain out gnats and swallow camels. And what does he mean by that? Well, look at verse 23. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. Now that means they went to the store and they bought some mint. They bought some anise, which is a flavoring. They bought cumin, which is a flavoring. And they brought those home, and they dumped them out on their table, and they took a tenth of it away because they were tithing to God. And then they put the rest, the nine-tenths, back into their little mint and anise and cumin holders, and they felt like they were doing God's will, which they actually were. They were tithing. And yet notice what Jesus goes on to say. And have neglected, neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides, you're straining out gnats, and you're swallowing camels. These are men who have become very selective in what their religion, what they will do and what they won't do, what is, what, is, what is right and required of God and what isn't. And he says, you're actually, you're majoring on the minors, you're focusing on the things that are unimportant, and you're forgetting the majors or you're downplaying the majors. And we certainly know from the life of the Pharisees that the Pharisees were incredibly unmerciful to sinful people. When, when, when the woman who was, uh, who was caught in adultery, they brought her in and was ready to stone her. The other uh, prostitute who came in and washed Jesus' feet, they were, they were all amazed at this and, and such. They were incredibly unmerciful. They were incredibly unjust. They bring the woman in who's caught in adultery and there's no, no, no word at all of the man who she was committing adultery with. They were incredibly unjust. They, they, had, they had no faith whatsoever when the Son of God showed up. But they were very religious and they were tithing out their men, and they were focusing on these minor things, and they were forgetting the major things. Also for Jesus, he said that a hypocrite, the marks of a hypocrite, is that the outward and the inward are very different. The outward and the inward are very different. In fact, he uses a very graphic illustration. Look at verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of a cup and dish But inside they were full of extortion and self-indulgence. Woe to blind guide! First clean the inside of the cup and dish. And then the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly. But inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and in lawlessness. Now notice here this idea. Think of a bowl. Think of when you're going to do dish. You're going to do the dishes and there was spaghetti being served. And say the kids had some spaghetti and you have this bowl. And it has all of the greasy tomato paste stuff left inside. A couple noodles there. And you wash very carefully the outside of this bowl. And you put it back on the shelf like that. With all of that filth inside it. That's the illustration that Jesus is using. He's telling these Pharisees, this is who you are. You're all cleaned up on the outside, but inside there's all kinds of filth that is going on there. And then think of a tomb. Think of these, these massive tombs that people build for themselves. That, and, and, and there they are. And they, they may be beautiful. And, and some of them now have pictures and things like that on them and, and such. But inside, Jesus says, inside that tomb, what do you have? You have rotten flesh, you have rotten bones, you have teeth and hair piled up in different places and dust. And he said, that's what you guys are, outwardly, you're beautiful, inside. And he says, you have to clean both. You have to clean the inside and the outside will be beautiful. And that's the problem with hypocrisy. They want to make a great show. Finally, sixthly, Jesus says that a hypocrite, a mark of a hypocrite, is they're actually opposed to true religion. They're actually opposed to true religion, especially if it speaks plainly. Now, I'm just going to summarize for you, but look at verse 29. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monument of the righteous and say, Ah, if we had lived in the days of our father, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. And yet he goes on to say this, Yes, you would have, and in fact, you still are today. Because I'm going to, I've come here and you're persecuting me. And I'm going to send my apostles. I'm going to send my prophets. I'm going to send my evangelists out. And you're going to be the ones who are going to murder them. You're going to be the ones who are going to kill them and crucify them. Look at verse 34. Indeed, therefore, I send out to you prophets, wise men, and scribes. And some of them you will kill and crucify. And some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from street to street, to city to city. You are opposed to true religion. Especially true religion that speaks plainly. Now, here in this place, you are used to hearing the Bible opened up, and you are used to dealing honestly with your soul in the Bible and God. But if I walked into a lot of pulpits today and I said, I'm going to preach on how not to be a hypocrite, I would not last very long in that church at all. And that's what you need to understand is that there are, place, there, are there is a form of religion that is an outward form of religion. But when true religion shows up and starts to speak plainly, they want have nothing to do with it. And that's a sign of hypocrisy. So those are some of the marks of hypocrisy that Jesus gives in verse, in chapter 23. Now let's ask then, let's go to our third point, which is this, how not to be a hypocrite or how to not be a hypocrite. I couldn't figure out how the best way to say that, and I didn't even know, there may be one is wrong, but how not to be a hypocrite, how to not be a hypocrite, how can I avoid hypocrisy? Well, first and foremost, I think we begin by being honest by being real, by being genuine, by being authentic. That's where it begins, just being honest and taking an honest, sober assessment of yourself. That is very, very important. At one point, Paul says to the Corinthians, examine yourselves to see whether you're even in the faith. And so it takes a real careful look at ourselves. And we would examine ourselves something like this. We would ask ourselves, to what extent is my faith merely outward and not inward? To what extent is my faith merely outward but not inward? To what extent am I motivated to look good to people but not necessarily to God? See, that's where, that's where the, 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 the real break comes, breakdown comes in. To what extent is is this just all outward for me? You can go to church regularly. And it gives you a sense of respectability to go to church regularly. But you can go to church regularly and still be a great hypocrite. In the very first church that I pastored, there was a man there. And he, he had one thing about him that he just always played up front. You knew this right away as soon as you met him. And that was this. Every time the church doors are open, I'm in there. That was his big thing. If the church doors were open, he was there. The church doors were that's all he talked about, by the way. He didn't even talk about Jesus. He didn't talk about the Bible. (laughs) When that church door is open, I am there. That was and I, I got to the point that I realized that's his religion. His religion is to be in the church. And so it was an outward thing. It wasn't an inward thing at all. You see, you can hold office in church, you can be an elder. You can be a deacon in a church. You can be a Sunday school teacher in a church. And you can just thrive. You can be a pastor in the church. You can just thrive on the recognition of other people and what you get from that. You can thrive on the respectability of that. You can thrive. And that's that's what these Pharisees were doing. They were thriving on being called a rabbi, rabbi being respected, being able to walk in a room and all of a sudden people are respecting them. And that's what being a hypocrite is. That's what hypocrisy can do. And we need to be guard against that. You can have gifts. You can have gifts of preaching, gifts of music. You can have gifts of prayer, gifts of leadership. You can be gifted. You can be gifted in these areas. And you still be a hypocrite. One of the signs that I've seen in 43 years of ministry of this is people who are very active in the church until for some reason they can't use their gifts, some reason they can't sing anymore in the choir, some reason they can't uh, play the piano, some reason they can't preach, some reason they can't do it, for some reason, and they cease to go to church. They never go again. I literally know people who have never gone to church again because they can no longer play the piano. They can no longer And it's, what were you doing? You were doing that just so that you could be seen. And, And if you don't come to church, it's the people who are ready to be up front on the stage, play music, preach, teach, teach Sunday, be an officer. But when it comes time for more serving roles, working in the nursery, doing the work days, taking, helping with a funeral dinner, they don't participate. Now, time out. I need to say something here. I was thoroughly dressed so that you don't think I'm a total hypocrite. I was thoroughly dressed and ready to walk out the door yesterday morning to come to the workday. So for those of you who were at the workday, say, yeah, preacher, you weren't even at the workday. I wasn't at the workday. I was thoroughly dressed and I was ready to head out the door and I got a phone call from Dan that the person who was supposed to come and help him cut up chicken couldn't be there, could I come and help him? So I went and I cut up chickens instead uh, being here. So I'm not a total hypocrite, at least in that. I, I really tried to get here, everybody, and I heard there was a great crowd, and I'm very thankful for that. But the point that I'm trying to make is, is that in, in these serving roles, people don't want to take any of these serving roles. I was graphically struck by somebody who has had a great impact on my life. His name is John Perkins. John Perkins has a great story, and he's had a great, long, and national... Uh, recognized ministry. He was a, he was a dear uh, man. And I remember being at his church in in Mendenhall, Mississippi, and watching as the church service was over because the church was actually in rented facilities. And uh, there was John Perkins, who I came to see, many people came to see and talk and be with and and such, uh, picking up the the, the hymnals, and uh, while everybody else is talking and just in, and folding up the chairs and just having a servant heart. Uh, here was a great, great man, and he had such a servant heart. Hypocrites like to pray long in public, Jesus said. Look at verse 14. He says, And therefore, and for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. I get suspicious, quite frankly, of people who pray too long in public, people who pray too long in prayer meetings. I sometimes get suspicious and will even ask them because sometimes you get a feeling that people are actually praying in public because they're not praying in private. They're actually almost having their devotions for a week's worth of devotions in the prayer meeting and going on and on and on and on, and we can't follow their line of thinking. Jonathan Edwards wrote an entire sermon entitled, Hypocrites Deficient in Private Prayer. You see, dear friends, We need to be the same person. And that's the next question that we need to ask ourselves and that's this, how many faces do you have? How many faces do I actually have? How many masks do I put on? Do I have one face that I show everybody? Or do I have a mask that I show some people? And then, or maybe I have two or three masks depending on where I am. Or am I the same person all the time? That's what the Bible calls us to. Older generations than ours used to use this as an actual compliment. He's a simple man. She's a simple woman. And what they meant by that wasn't a simpleton, like like mentally challenged. What they meant by that was they're one fabric. They're not complex. What you see is what you get. That's the authentic person. That's who they are in every setting that you are in. Are you one person? One person at church one person at home the same person at the workplace the same person on a fishing boat the same person on friday night around a campfire are you the same person are you the one same person i am um, the holy spirit has had to work on me for almost 50 years now and still still a work in progress. And, uh, and early on in my life, especially in my pastoral life, I remember one time I, I was being unkind to people in my home. Whether it was Jan or the kids, I can't remember. I was being a little harsh, being a little angry or, or whatever. And I remember the Holy Spirit convicting me of that and saying to me, you would never treat people in the church the way you're treating your spouse or your kids right now. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have that tone of voice. You wouldn't be like that. And I remember, and that was the Holy Spirit convicting me of hypocrisy, hypocrisy. And we need to be very careful about this. We're very prone to this. What happens when you get around your old high school buddies when you weren't a Christian? Do you immediately become that old guy again? Does your language begin to descend and you become that person again? What happens when you get around the girlfriends? The girlfriends from work, you go out and you have a glass of wine with the girlfriends at work. Do you immediately become one of them, catty and gossipy and things like that? We need to be very, very careful about this. People used to say that a true gentleman was a gentleman when he was alone. And he, he would take his napkin, he would put it on his lap, he would sit up straight, and he would eat with manners when he was alone. That's a true gentleman. Well, a true Christian is a person who is the same everywhere, the same. I had this graphically, almost humorously illustrated for me once. Uh, I worked as a roofer for five years, and uh, while I was pastoring a small church, you couldn't pay me Full time, and I had a big family, so I was worked as a roofer uh, d- during the week. And I remember one time we were doing this big remodel. It was down in Squirrel Hill in, Pen- in Pittsburgh, and it was a big house, and we were rebuilding all the gutters. And I was I did a lot of the metal flashing work, and I was over, I was over on my side of the roof flashing a chimney, and the other guys were tearing off slate and doing their thing over there. And and the guy that we were working for was a retired guy, and he was a very social guy, and he was obviously lonely because he was all excited when we showed up and he was always out there with us talking hanging out with the roofer dudes and uh, and when we were up on the roof he was walking around and talking and things like that and in the course of his walking around and talking you know he was he was as foul mouthed as the roofing crew was he he had the dirty jokes just like that he kept them laughing they kept him laughing he thought everybody thought he thought that was great until he found out that I was a pastor And as soon as he found out that I was a pastor, then it was actually kind of humorous because oftentimes, you know, again, I I might be over there doing the metalworking and doing some of that uh, with a small group of guys. And we had the, 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 the main guys over there tearing off or something like that. I would hear him. He would walk around the house. And I would hear him, because I could hear him on the other side of the house. I would hear him, and he'd be up laughing and joking and swearing and telling the dirty jokes. And as soon as he came around the corner, he suddenly got sanctified, and he would say, hey, pastor, I was in my church. He was actually an elder in his church. Hey, pastor, I was in." "Oh, Yeah, our church is doing this. What's your church doing? And then we're talking religion. We're talking God. We're talking this kind of stuff. And then he would go over, and then all of a sudden, it was just like it was humorous. It was like this guy literally within seconds became several people all at once. That's hypocrisy. That's hypocrisy. We have to be careful about that. We need to ask ourselves, are we the same person all the time? See, the Pharisees loved to be loved. They loved to be loved. They loved to be esteemed. They were people-oriented people. They wanted to be the cool guy. So if they were in a religious context, they were very religious. If they were with the crude, they were crude. They wanted to be loved and esteemed more than they wanted to be upright before God. That's a hypocrite. This is what Jesus is speaking against. Another question we need to ask ourselves is this. Are we selective in our understanding of sin? Do we have two lists of sin in our lives, in our minds? Bad sins and acceptable sins. Bad sins and respectable sins. See, listen how I'm saying those words, (laughs) bad sins, that's a, that's a redundancy. All sin is bad. Acceptable sins is a contradiction. There is no such thing as an acceptable sin. There is no such thing as a respectable sin, but we have our bad sins and we have our acceptable sins. We would never commit adultery. We would never actually do the act of adultery. There would be shame associated with that. We wouldn't bring shame to our names by that, like that. And yet we have no problem with heart adultery, of seeing a woman and undressing her, of seeing a woman and envisioning ourselves with her. That's not an acceptable sin. That's adultery in Jesus' mind. Jesus said you're committing adultery when you do that. But you see, hypocrites have, uh, this is, this, no, I'll never do that. I would never be caught dead doing that. Oh, but I can do this. We would never be drunk publicly, sloshing around, slurring our words. But how many times do people sometimes sitting alone at night in front of a TV overdrink? That's acceptable. We would never murder or kidnap or rape or rob. But we'll slander and we'll gossip and we'll covet and we'll be proud and we'll be lustful. See, those are okay sins, and we make excuses about our sins. That's hypocrisy, and we need to be honest with ourselves about this, just honest with ourselves of how we handle this. And so the first thing, in not to be a hypocrite, is to be honest with yourself, for me to be honest with myself, to, to, to look at ourselves and to be just real. But secondly, and this is tied in with it, and it's even more important, be honest with God. Be real with God. Don't be fake with God. Because if you're not real with God, that is both dumb and dangerous. It is dumb not to be real with God. You know why? Because God sees everything. As David quoted us, even from Pink this morning. God sees everything. He knows everything about you. God sees straight through you with x-ray vision. God knows everything. He knows every thought, every word, every desire, everything about you. God knows. Nobody is going to bamboozle God on Judgment Day. Nobody is going to, to, to embellish things before God on Judgment Day. Nobody's going to start putting on masks on Judgment Day when you stand before God. God is going to say, not that God would say this, but when we're judged, God could say, get real here. Quit being dumb. I know everything about you. Don't try to embellish. Don't try to lie. Don't try to put on a good face. Don't try to make it sound better than it is because I know everything about you. I know you better than you know you with greater accuracy, absolute clarity. I know who you are inside and out. I know your best motives and your ugliest motives. I know your deepest thoughts. I know things nobody ever knows. I know everything about you. So stop being so dumb. Be yourself. And dear friends, you know what is wise is to have judgment day honesty before judgment day. To just be honest with God and to realize, you see everything, you know everything. I there's nothing that get you 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 don't understand or know. But secondly, dear friends, it is very dangerous. It is very dangerous to not be real with God because we must give an account. Look at what Jesus says to these these men. Look at what he says in verse 15. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as fit, twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. He's calling them sons of hell. But then look at verse 33. Serpents, snakes, rattlesnakes, brood of vipers, children of rattlesnakes, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? This should motivate us to get real with God, to have our souls, at st- our souls are at stake. You see, we need to start realizing that I need to stop worrying about what people say, what people think. The impression i'm making on people these people don't really count they don't really mean anything in the big picture because i'm going to stand before god dear friends i've been accused of being a hypocrite on on i've been accused i've been um convicted of being a hypocrite accused in that sense by god of being a hypocrite in this room on many occasions sitting right there you know when that you know when i play the hypocrite in this room I play the hypocrite in this room sitting right there when I'm more concerned about the people who are sitting behind me than I am God who I am worshiping at this time. How does this play out? Well, somebody comes and visits the church or somebody is here that I've really wanted to come to church for years and they've come to church finally or somebody here is here and I, and I begin to see the service through their eyes. Maybe they're an unbeliever. I begin to see the service through their eyes. And maybe, maybe we have crazy things happen, like today, you know, the hymn was different <laughs> than what we're supposed to sing. Or, or, and, I'm, and, and God has, I've been sitting there worrying about how they're thinking, how they're seeing. And God says to me, literally, You're a hypocrite. You should be way more concerned about me and what I think about this service how I'm being honored and glorified. You need to think about me and quit being a lover of the opinions of men. I'm a hypocrite when I'm more concerned about what you think about a sermon than I am what God thinks about a sermon. I'm more of a hypocrite wondering about the impression I'm making on you as to whether I'm getting a well done, good and faithful from him. You see, dear friends, this hypocrisy, this this move toward hypocrisy, we need to be very, very honest about ourselves with. We need to be careful about ourselves with. And then I would say, thirdly, how not to be a hypocrite? Be real with yourself. Be real with God. And then thirdly, ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit working in the lives of the believer. We are to be led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit, the Bible says, are are the sons and daughters of God. To be led by the Spirit. What's to be led by the Spirit? To be led by the Spirit is when the Spirit tells you, for instance, in this situation, you're being a hypocrite. I've had to pray and confess my sin and ask God to forgive me while I'm sitting there worshiping because I'm being a hypocrite. You're being a hypocrite. The Holy Spirit is leading me when he says that. The Holy Spirit is guiding me. And then as we're led by the Spirit and we're taught by the Spirit, the Bible tells us to keep in step with the Spirit. And if the Spirit starts pointing out my hypocrisy, then I need to say, yes, Spirit, I will follow you. I repent. I'm getting rid of this hypocrisy in my life. And then the Bible says that we are to agree with God. We are to confess our sins and say, yes, God, I am a hypocrite. Not make excuses. Not say, oh, no, God, you don't get it. No, you don't understand. Oh, no, I'm not being a hypocrite. And trying to make excuses for myself. No, be honest with God. Agree with God. And then follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says that by the Spirit, we're to mortify and put to death our sin. And then the Bible says that the Spirit is to bear fruit within us. And some of those fruit would involve us being genuinely real and unhypocritical with our own soul. And so I say to you, ask God to help me. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, lead me. God, lead me and guide me through your Holy Spirit and help me to be one man. And when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you just walked away from that conversation. You ran into an old high school buddy, or you ran into some friends, or you were around the the, the cafeteria in the workplace and and such, and you entered into all of the crudity of all of that that was going on there, and you knew you shouldn't. Confess that before God. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to give you grace. Ask God to give you help. Ask God to bear fruit into your life so that you won't even find those jokes funny anymore. Ask God to work and move in a powerful way in your life. Now let me qualify something here. We need to be careful here not to overreact. You need to be careful. I need to be careful here too to not have the the devil take advantage of this sermon. How would the devil take advantage of this sermon? He would make you feel right now, you might as well just give up. I'm such a hypocrite. I might as well give up. I'm so two-faced, three-faced, four-faced, sometimes I don't even know who I am. I just give up. I just give up. I I might not even be a Christian. I just give up. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do repent. Do confess. Do ask for forgiveness. But don't do that. You see, dear friends, all sinners are hypocrites. In one sense, all sinners are hypocrites. In one sense, we don't live up to what God would have us to live up to, and we're sinners saved by grace. We're, we're, there's, there's elements of hypocrisy in all of us, and we need to get, deal with that. Peter was a hypocrite. Peter was saved, but he was a hypocrite. And as a hypocrite, Peter said, I will die for you, Lord. I will die for you. Before that 24-hour period was up, he was denied. I don't even know him. I don't know who you're talking about. He was calling down curses. I don't know who you're talking about. And when Peter realized that he was a hypocrite, you know what he did? He wept bitterly. He repented. He confessed it. And you see, dear friends, Peter didn't make being a hypocrite the regular part of his life. Peter didn't make excuses. Peter went to God, found confession, offered for confession, found forgiveness, and moved on in grace, repenting and choosing not to be a hypocrite. You say, yeah, Todd, I know, I know, I've done that, I've done that, but guess what? I keep keep following, I keep following, I keep following. So did Peter. So did the apostle Peter. Listen while I read something to you. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul writes this. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men, here's that pleasing men, before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. There's Peter's old sin of fearing man's opinion. Listen to what Paul writes. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? Here's Peter saying, Paul saying to Peter, you said one thing and you did another. You taught one thing and you did another. And you let all of these people and all of these guys became hypocrites because they were afraid of what people said. What did Peter do? Peter repented. Peter asked for forgiveness. Because Peter's life wasn't a life marked by hypocrisy. Peter didn't abandon himself to it. And so, dear friends, let's be real with God. And by God's help, let's be honest with ourselves. And by God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit, let's go to war against our hypocrisy. Jesus called the Pharisees to practice what they preach. To tell others, what they, if they tell others to do something, they should do it themselves. Jesus told the Pharisees to be humble, have servant hearts, not, not parading behind titles and pride. Peter told, Jesus told the Pharisees to care for the vulnerable, and don't take advantage of these widows. He told them to honor God, to love him and not love money. He told them to serve God completely and not selectively. He called, told them to get clean inside and outside. And dear friends, that's what we need to do. That's who we need to be. That's what God has called us to do. And I want to warn you, and I I know my time is going here, but I want to warn you about another act of hypocrisy that I believe we Christians do and we're not even aware of. Look at verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. The hypocrites, the true religion haters. What's Jesus' response? Not cynicism not criticalness, not arrogance. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under your wings. But uh, you would not. What am I talking about here? Dear friends, we live in an age where there is an incredible amount of absolute, there's no better way of putting it, downright foolishness in our culture today downright silly foolishness. And it just kind of takes your breath away. See these big, strong men getting their awards for being the best woman swimmer in America and being proud of it. And we're just like, you've got to be kidding me. But dear friends, what we need to be careful is this. We need to be careful not to become cynical. See, it's easy for us in the midst of this so much stupidity that there's out there. It's easy for us to not Love and pity and pray. See, we can become Pharisees who tithe dill, mint, and cumin, but we we forget justice and mercy and faith. We become evangelical Christians and we do everything right and we're wholesome, and we look down upon these other people. And we don't love them. Jesus saw all the hypocrisy. And he said, I just wanted to gather you like a hen, gathering its chicks to protect you, and you would not. Dear friends, God did not save us to be social critics. These people, even these men who are taking these, these awards for, being, for beating up on women and, and beating them in, in races, these men, our job isn't to criticize them. They're our mission field. We've been called to share the gospel with them and to graciously love them as God loved us. Finally, I conclude by speaking to especially the young people who are here. And I want to speak this to to you, you dear young people that I love. I want to speak from my heart to you. You young people that are in this church, you're you're going to leave here someday and go to college or go to trade or, or, or go, you're going to leave. And you're going to hear this lie, and I'm going to protect you from this lie. You're going to hear this lie, and it's this. The church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites. But what did you just listen to? You just listened to a sermon in a church by a pastor warning us all to not be hypocrites. And we were open, we were honest, we were vulnerable. The church isn't full of hypocrites. There are hypocrites in the church. But the church is not full of hypocrites. We have dealt honestly and openly with hypocrisy today. And we have gone to war against it. And I want to insulate you from this lie. Because I want you, when you hear that lie, I want you, no matter where you're at in this world, I want you to think back at Crossroads Christian Fellowship Church. I want you to think back to the people that you see sitting around you today. And I want you to remember that you met in this place a lot of sincere followers of Jesus. Some of the nicest, kindest, most generous, caring people you've ever met in your life, you met in the church some of the most wholesome marriages and stable people who have attractive lives, who you looked up to, see what God can do. And I don't want you to believe the lie that the church is full of hypocrites. We struggle with hypocrisy, everybody does, but by God's grace, it doesn't mark us. And I hope that By seeing through Satan's lie, you will remember and you will come to Christ and you will say, I see the world falling apart, but I remember those dear people. I want their God to be my God. May you come to Christ and come to find the one genuine, fully genuine, fully simple human being and God, Jesus. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you and we worship you. We thank you for your patience and your love when we do act the hypocrite, play the hypocrite as Peter did. We thank you that you're forgiving and you're gracious. We thank you that you just continue to trust, us. Uh, uh, we can continue to trust you, that you will gather us like little hens under your, little chicks under your wing, that you are gracious and kind and loving. Forgive us of our hypocrisies Forgive us at times when we're two and not one. Give us grace. Give us strength. Give us help. Even remind us at that moment to be your follower, to be real, to be genuine, to be who you called us to be. Help us, we pray. Help us and forgive us where we've sinned. Give us grace, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.